Hey, you, are you listening? Are you a WWD? I didn't say anything about WWJD. You know what that is. What would Jesus do? I'm talking about a WWD. I hope that you're not. Stay tuned to the podcast today. Hope it's a blessing. Welcome to today's podcast, Casting Down Idols. This is the podcast where we talk about addictions and recovery from a biblical point of view. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Dixon, and I'm addressing the problem of addictions from my own personal experience, but most importantly, from a biblical perspective. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, gambling, or overeating, or whatever struggle you may be facing, I want you to know there's hope for change. It's my prayer that through this podcast, you'll pick up some tools and encouragement that will enable you to live addiction-free. I've been clean and sober now for 31 years, and you can too. So let's learn, grow, let's encourage one another on this road called recovery. All right. Welcome back, everybody. This is Pastor Mike Dixon, host of the podcast, Casting Down Idols. Today is Monday, June the 1st. Can you believe it? The year is 2020. I wonder if you're a WWD. WWD stands for Wrong Way Driver. Do you know every year in our country, there's always a big problem with people going the wrong way down interstate highways. And that's really been the case ever since the interstate highway system was developed back in the 1950s. And so they call those drivers WWDs, wrong way drivers. I hope you're not one of those, and I hope you're not going in the wrong direction. That's really the topic of the episode today as we talk about a change of direction. Welcome back. Hope you've had a good week. Hope things are going well. I pray that your family's being blessed and you're being encouraged. I pray that you're walking in freedom to whatever it is that has hounded you in the past as far as addictions, things that I want to hold us captive in habitual lifestyle sins. God offers us all that we need to be set free from every single one of those. Before I get started today, I just want to remind you, please, please share the podcast with someone. If you can like it, give us five stars. If you're listening by way of iTunes, I know you can do that on iTunes. If you can leave us some positive feedback, that would be a great blessing as well. The more positive feedback we get, the more it kind of bumps our podcast up and the more people are going to listen and tune in. And we just want to help people. We want to get out the truth of God to as many people in the world as we can. Let them know God loves them. Let them know they don't have to stay the way they are. They certainly don't have to remain who they've always been. Your past does not have to define who you are today. Well, a change of direction. Again, I hope you're not a WWD. If your goal in life, you know, last episode we talked about uh, what are you aiming for? What is your goal in life? What is your bullseye? What is it that you want out of life more than anything else? And your motivation in life, whatever you answer that question with, the question being, what do you want out of life? Or I could phrase it this way, what are you aiming for? in life. Whatever your answer is to that question is going to reveal to me a great deal about what or who it is that you worship. If your goal in life is anything or anyone other than to bring honor and glory to God, then your goal is faulty. If anything or anyone else is the center of your life, I'm talking about controlling your thoughts, dictating your actions, then you're worshiping an idol. Jesus said this, it's recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. 
What is it that occupies the number one slot in your life? How do you spend your time, your money, your energy? Is honoring and glorifying God really the most valued goal that you have in living your life? That's the question I ask today. You know, we're commanded. It's in 1 John chapter 5, verse 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. God doesn't tell us that these things for his benefit. God tells us these things for our own benefit. God's created us to honor and to glorify him. We're created to worship, and we're all going to worship. And if that person or that object is not God that we're worshiping, then we're worshiping an idolatrous idol that cannot deliver. There's got to be a change of direction in your life. Instead of trying to move away from God, you got to turn around and start running towards God. How is this change accomplished in our lives? You know, when I talk to people about a change of direction, you know, if your life in the past and the choices you've made and the lifestyle that you've lived, if your life in the past does not produce godly results in your life, uh, then my friend, going right back and living that same kind of life is just going to produce the same results. That's true ignorance, to go back into the same way of doing things, expecting a different result. I remember when I first realized that God had called me to preach his truth. I was only about 13 years old. I was very shy, uh, very introverted growing up as a child somewhat uh, withdrawn by nature. The very thought of standing before a group of people and speaking, I mean, it scared me to death. My response to this call that I knew God had called me to preach was to run as hard and as fast away from that calling as I could. <clears throat> After all, my personal aspirations didn't include being a preacher. That's not necessarily what I wanted to do in life. In fact, that was the last thing that I wanted to do in life. And so I started running from God. And then by the age of 12, 13 years old, and for the next 14 to 17 years, I tried to find a sense of purpose and fulfillment in so many things, but to no prevail. It was not until I surrendered to God at the age of 28 years old that I discovered something I had never expected to find. God's will for my life was not a burden to bear, but it actually was one of the greatest joys in my life. Once I surrendered to God's will for my life and God's purpose for my life, I discovered preaching is one of the greatest joys that I experience out of life. And I didn't, ex I didn't experience this, and I didn't come to this realization of this truth until I began to experience transformation, and I stopped running from God, I stopped running from Him, and I stopped, and I turned around, and I started running towards Him. Yeah, I needed a change of direction in order to understand that God's wonderful plan for me was not something I needed to shun, man, it was a blessing that I needed to embrace. You know, once I turned my heart towards God, it was as though a light had been turned on in my mind. <clears throat> I began to understand things that I'd never comprehended before. I mean, the, I just began to realize things that I'd never realized before when I stopped running from God and I just yielded to Him. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. That, that scripture says when a person turns to God, what it is that has blocked a God's true calling and purpose for our lives and what's going to bring the greatest joy for our lives, that curtain is taken away. And then we begin to really understand what's joyful in life. You know, as long as your heart is turned away from God, that veil covers your mind, preventing you from understanding God's word and his will for your life, his purpose for your life. You know, let me say this, you can change. It does not matter how deep the addiction is, how strong the grip seems to have in your life. I mean, maybe you have tried to change 
time after time after time, maybe a thousand times, maybe a million times, maybe over a period of years, and you failed every single time. I want you to know today on the authority of the Word of God, God is more than able to change you. He's able to give you everything you need to be the person God wants you to be. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, gives us great words of hope. And I have read this and shared this with countless individuals, maybe just like you, who feel like, you know, they're caught in this cycle, man, and they just can't seem to break free from this cycle. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. And, and let me say this as a reminder, Paul's writing to the church. These are not lost pagan people that are living for the world. These are people that trust God. These are people that make up the body of believers in Corinth, the church at Corinth. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Paul says these things to Christians at Corinth who were once caught up in all kinds of habitual sins, many of these were sexual sins, idolatry, he mentions that, stealing, drunkards in the Bible. That word drunkard is a picture of all substance abuse disorders. That's drug addiction, man. That's alcoholism. That's any kind of substance abuse addiction. That word describes that. That word drunkards translated right here in our English Bible. Paul says that people who show forth these evil works will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? That means these habitual lifestyle sins are evidence of a heart that's been unchanged and unconverted. If you've never been changed, you've never been saved. Every individual I read about in the Bible who met Jesus Christ and saved in faith, they left that encounter different than what they entered into it. They're changed. And they were changed forever. You know, I'm not saying we're perfect. None of us are perfect. But when we trust Christ Jesus as our Lord and Savior, my friend, that change begins in you. You begin to become a new creature in Christ Jesus. God begins to mold you. And anything and everything that doesn't reflect Jesus Christ and his holiness and his righteousness, the Holy Spirit begins at that point in time. He begins that work of making you more like Christ and getting all those things out of your life. Now, Paul's writing to Corinth, and he's writing to Christians, and he goes through these habitual addictions, and he says, and such were some of you. You used to be like this, but you're not anymore. Paul's saying, you used to be described by all these habitual lifestyle sins, but that's in the past. Praise God. Freedom. Healing. A new life is possible in Jesus Christ. Please, please hear what God is saying to us in this passage. Con contrary to what a lot of people and a lot of groups, uh, a lot of resources in our society today want us to believe, addictions do not have to be the final word in your life. You do not have to live the rest of your life a drug addict or an alcoholic. You do not have to live the rest of your life chained to whatever it is that wants to pull you down. That belief, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, is not what God says. I don't know if I can make it any clearer than that. It's contrary to biblical truth to believe that once you're an addict, you're always an addict. That's a lie. And it's a lie that continues to hold many people in bondage. In Hebrews 13, verse 8, it tells us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. 
And so if God back in the days of the Apostle Paul had the power and was willing and was able and was ready to deliver those folks at Corinth from all these types of sins, again, including substance abuse issues and addictions, my God is the same today, and he was able to change those folks then, he's able to change us folks now. You hear me? That means you, and that means me. A change of direction is possible for your life. You can put down the addiction. You can quit smoking. You can quit drinking. You can put down the illegal drugs. You can put down the abuse of prescription drugs. You can be changed forever in the power of God. Your future is bright. You know, the habitual pattern of all kinds of addictions that hold us captive. You know, I think about lust. Uh, it holds so many captive and addicted to pornography. For example, those chains can be broken. That addiction can be lifted. There's hope that's offered to you through the power of the gospel. This change of direction doesn't mean, uh, it's not just talking about outward movements. I hope that you're following me in this. You know, like a, a WWD, a wrong way driver, that's illustrating and defining somebody who is literally in a vehicle going the wrong way. There's movement involved in that, literal outward movement that's involved uh, in that wrong way driving. Well, the change we're talking about today doesn't begin with outward movements. You know, in an automobile, there are many things that can happen under the hood of that car uh, before it begins to actually turn around. I mean, if you're a WWD and you're a wrong way driver, in order for that car to turn around, there's a lot of things happening mechanically in that car in order for that car to finally turn around. Messages are sent to various mechanical gears, uh, the engine and transmission and the steering components uh, throughout the instrument panel. Moments before that automobile begins to turn, many other things are happening first. You ever thought about that? When you turn the steering wheel, I mean, it's connected to a, uh, to a shaft, and that's connected to the mechanisms in the car, and so many things that are happening there. Well, in the like manner, before actions begin to change in your life, your thinking must change first. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is, is Romans chapter 12, verse 2, and it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We're not simply supposed to blend in with the world, but we are to stand out from the world as God's people. This difference begins in your mind in the way you think. So first, you've got to change your thinking in order to change your direction. Instead of doting on your addictive behavior, focusing on your addictive behavior, you must grow to see it through God's eyes. You've got to determine that you'll despise sin as much as you once loved it. There's a Bible word for this change of direction, this changing of the mind, and it's the word repentance. Repentance is not simply being sorry about what you've done. It's possible to be sorry and yet not be repentant. I've spoken to so many people over the years who've been sorry they got caught. I mean, they sorry, they're sorry they got in trouble, but they're not willing to change through repentance. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, for godly sorrow produces repentance. Reading the salvation not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. That word repentance is translated from a Greek word that actually means reversal. A person does a 180 degree turnaround when they truly repent. They reverse directions. Instead of always moving towards the idol of addiction away from God, they're now moving towards God. They've turned totally around. I've always loved the story of the Sunday school teacher that was standing before her first and second grade Sunday school class, and the teacher was introducing her lesson on repentance. And she inquired of the class. She said, does anybody know what repentance means? 
One little boy in the class, way back in the back, he raised his hand, and the teacher motioned for him to stand. And as he stood to his feet, he replied, it's being sorry about your sin. The teacher responded, that wasn't quite the answer she was looking for. Another little girl raised her hand. Upon recognition from the teacher, she stood and answered confidently, repentance is being sorry enough about your sin to quit. My friend, that's it right there. Being sorry enough about your sin to quit. A change is needed. A reverse of direction is needed. There's a genuine change of the mind and of the heart. This inward change leads to the change of direction that you seek in your life right now. And so before the outward change ever takes place, there's got to be an inward change. And that has a lot to do with what you're believing to be true and the way that you're thinking about things right now in your life. David gives us a lot of insight into this matter in Psalm 51. Many scholars and commentators believe that uh, King David wrote Psalm 51 about a year after his terrible sins that he committed with Bathsheba. If you remember that uh, and what David, that mess that David got in is recorded in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And that's where King David, if you recall, was on the rooftop of his palace late one night. And he was walking along the rooftop and he noticed on the roof next door a woman by the name of Bathsheba who was bathing. She was beautiful to look upon. And as David's eyes gazed on her beauty, his heart was filled with lust. King David immediately sent his men to retrieve Bathsheba and to bring her to him. I mean, he's king. He can have anybody and anything he wants. King David, knowing that this was a married woman, committed fornication and adultery with her. She was married, so it was adultery for her, fornication for King David. Even though he, all he knew that she was a married woman, he told his guards, bring her to me anyway. She soon after that discovered that she was carrying the king's baby. In an attempt to conceal his sin, King David began to scheme. He didn't want anybody to know what he had done. He knew that Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, was a soldier in King David's military. So in the very next battle, King David ordered Uriah to be sent to the front line into the heat of the battle. And then he ordered the fellow soldiers to leave him there alone. And the plan was for Uriah to be killed. The plan was successful. Uriah lost his life in that battle. King David then took Bathsheba as his own wife. It looked like, it seemed like he was successful. It looked like nobody was ever going to find out about his sinful deeds. But my friend, God knows all things. You're not going to hide anything from God. God knows all things. The very final line in, in 2 Samuel chapter 11 reads like this. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Sometime went by after that sin, after all those sins that David committed in, in that context. And again, many scholars and commentators believe about a year passed by and King David thought nobody knew, nobody found out what he had done. He forgot that God knows all things. And so God sent a prophet by the name of Nathan to confront King David concerning his sin. It was after that confrontation, Nathan really got in the face of King David. It was after that confrontation that King David was broken. The Holy Spirit broke his heart. He's convicted about the sins that he committed, and he repented of his sin, and he wrote Psalm 51. Now, I want to read Psalm 51. This is a psalm of repentance. When we talk about a change of direction, it's not an outward thing first. It's an inward thing first. I've got to change my beliefs. I've got to change my thought process. I got to stop believing my way is better than God's. I got to start believe, stop believing rather that going against what God says is better for my life. I've got to stop that kind of believing. I got to stop that kind of thinking and change 
my heart direction first. David writes in Psalm 51, he says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness, that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer bulls on your altar. Can you hear the brokenness in David's heart? You know, he talks about this change, and he says it's an inward thing first. He talks about the brokenness of his heart. Man, that's an inward thing. He's convicted, and he's broken about his sin. He's crying out to God, not only for forgiveness, but he's crying out to God for change. David, King David here in Psalm 51 shows us some very important truths about repentance and what's involved in biblical forgiveness. I want to consider these. Think about what David shows us about a change of direction in Psalm 51. He shows us that true repentance, true repentance means you take ownership of your own sin. I mean, if you got Psalm 51 in front of you, I just want you to notice how many times David uh, states at least six times here in this chapter, in these first four verses, really, in, in Psalm 51. He says, I have sinned, I have sinned, I have sinned. It's my sin. I have sinned against you. He's taking responsibility for his own personal failures. He's not blaming anybody else. David's not pointing his finger at a dysfunctional childhood. He's not pointing his finger at somebody else. He's not blaming his mama. He's not blaming his daddy. He's not blaming the world. No more excuses. No more excuses for his sin. He's taking responsibility for his own fault, his own wrong, his own sin. My friend, stop living your life as a victim and start living your life as a victor. Jesus Christ is willing to forgive you of your sin. Cover that sin. Wash it away. Give you a brand new beginning. You stop blaming your failures and your mistakes and your shortcomings, your sins on everybody else. Admit and confess your sin. True repentance involves taking ownership of your own sin. True repentance means you stop trying to cover up your sin. I see this in Psalm 51, verses 5 and 6, where David confesses his own sinful nature. 
He confesses that God sees the inner parts. He says the hidden parts of us, God, we can't hide those things from you. We can't hide anything from you. You know, it's time to get real with God. Right where you are right now, stop making excuses for your sin. Be real about it. Be honest about it. God already knows anyway. Stop trying to cover it up. Be honest with God. Go to God. Pour your heart out to him. He already knows everything anyway. I believe Psalm 51 teaches us that true repentance, a change of direction, means that you acknowledge that God is the one who can forgive you of your sin and heal your brokenness. Whatever the pain is deep inside, I don't know what happened to you as a child growing up. I don't know what's happened to you growing up in a sinful world. Maybe there's been great pain inflicted upon you because of some traumatic experience that you've had to deal with, and you still got the scars, and you still got the pain. A change of direction begins when you begin to acknowledge the fact that God is the one who's able to forgive you of your sin, and God is the God who's able to heal you of your pain. He's able to heal you from your pain. You know, verses 7 through 12 of Psalm 51, David seeks God's forgiveness. He desires that God, he uses these words, renew my spirit, Lord. Restore in me the joy I once had that I don't have anymore. You know what? God, God can do this for you. You may feel like you'll never have the joy of the Lord again. You may feel like, you know, there's no healing for your heart and your spirit. But I'm telling you, on the authority of God's word today, my friend, my brother, my sister, listen, listen. Life can be better than it's ever been before through the power and the grace of God. Your life may be at a point where you just feel like it's at certain ruin. You feel like there's so much emptiness in your life. You know, that was my life before I came to Christ in my 20s. Man, living as a drug addict, as an alcoholic, until I surrendered to God's love in my life. I tell you, a transformation happened. God took the emptiness and God just filled it up, filled it up with joy, filled it up with love. I'm talking about beyond anything this world could ever come close to in comparing anything else with is God's presence in my life and the joy and the purpose and the fulfillment that he brings me. You know, what, you, what you're seeking in life, my friend, can only be found in God. What you're longing for is only going to be found in a right relationship with God. His grace is sufficient to meet your every need. Turn to him with all your heart. Rely on his truth and his power to change you. True repentance also means the beginning of a true, genuine concern for others. You know, I know this is true because of what God's delivered me from. You know, I now have a desire I didn't have before. I want to help people. Well, we've got an addiction recovery ministry called Life, and there's a chapter that meets in Edgecombe County right here in North Carolina. We're praying about right now and asking God to open the right doors in Pitt County. We're getting ready to start up something here. And so uh, my heart's desire, my burden, my true joy of ministry is not only preaching the word, but reaching out to people that are addicted to drugs and alcohol, because that's where God delivered me from. Man, I'm set free now over 30 years of being clean. I'm just telling you that can be you. You know, David cried out to God in repentance in Psalm 51, verse 13. And he said, Lord, uh, I, I want to teach transgressors. <laughs> I want to teach others, Lord God, your ways. See, David's desire right here in this point of the change of direction in repentance and getting right with God was I want to reach out and I want to help others. Let me tell you something that's vital in your recovery. It's not to be self-centered, but to be others-focused. Be focused on others more than you're focused on yourself. Reach out to help somebody else. Reach out to assist somebody else. Reach out to encourage somebody else. And when you do that, my friend, you, be, you're, you become encouraged too. God does a work in you. When you help somebody push a wagon up a hill, they get up a hill and you do too. 
And so David cries out, Lord, I want to spend the rest of my life teaching others your ways. What a joy there is in just being the hands and feet of Christ, allowing God to minister in us and through us. There's real joy, my friend, to be found right there. And so maybe, that, maybe that's your problem. Maybe that's your problem. Maybe you've really not changed direction because inwardly your heart's not been changed. Your mind's not been changed. Maybe you've never really committed to true biblical repentance. And what we've been talking about today, this a change that happens on the inside, but is shown forth outwardly. There's an old hymn that was written way back in 1924, since Jesus came into my heart. Man, that song to me reflects biblical forgiveness. The writer uh, was a man by the name of Rufus McDonald. And I want you to listen to the words of this song as he penned these words back in 1924. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I have sought since Jesus came into my heart. And then the refrain goes like this. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart. He goes on in the very next verse and he says, I have ceased from my wandering and going astray since Jesus came into my heart. And my sins, which were many, are all washed away since Jesus came into my heart. <laughs> Isn't that good? He goes on and he says, I'm possessed of a hope that is steadfast and sure since Jesus came into my heart. And no dark clouds of doubt now my pathway obscure since Jesus came into my heart. The very last stanza, the very last verse of this song says, there's a light in the valley of death now for me since Jesus came into my heart. And the gates of the city, behold, beyond I can see since Jesus came into my heart. My friend, God offers you all that you need for a change of direction. God offers you all that you need for true repentance to take, take place. Repentance, again, is a change of mind that will be reflected in a change of direction. And so even for a WWD, a wrong way driver, before that, that vehicle literally turns around and starts going the right way, that driver, something's got to happen internally with that driver, the person at the wheel. He's got to decide in his mind. He's got to come to the realization, I'm going the wrong way, man. I need to stop and turn around. And when he makes that commitment, he makes that choice, he puts things into motion. That car stops and that car turns around because in the heart, in the mind of that driver, he's made a decision. I wonder what your decision is today. Maybe right now, maybe you need to make the choice right now. I tell you, my life's going in the wrong direction. I need to stop, just like Pastor Mike's been talking about today. I need to stop. I need to commit to God. I need to cry out to Him. I need to get real about my sin. Stop making excuses for it. Stop making excuses for the way that I've been living and, and, and take ownership of my failures and my sins before God. Be open with Him. Be honest with Him. Let Him come in. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I'm going to make a choice today to begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and not in the power of my flesh. Maybe you're like King David when he was broken after God dealt with him through the prophet Nathan. Maybe God's dealing with you. Maybe you're in a place of brokenness. Listen, brokenness is not necessarily a bad place. Brokenness can be a good place if it's brokenness under the power of the Holy Spirit because God has to break us in order to put us together the right way. 
and God can put your life back together greater and more beautiful than it's ever been before. He's the master carpenter. He's the master potter. He's a master at putting broken things back together again. So your brokenness today may be a good thing in the hands of God. I know it's a good thing. Let me pray with you. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for your word today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for reminding us that we don't have to stay the way that we are. And even if we're a WWD, we're going wrong way. We're a wrong way driver. Maybe we ought to say a WWC, a wrong way Christian. We can be saved and still be determined we're going to go the wrong way. Maybe there's a lost person listening, Lord, and they know they're going the wrong way. Anybody who doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they're going the wrong way. But Lord, it doesn't start by outward actions. It starts by inward decisions. And right now, I'm praying, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice right now, making a commitment to you, I pray you're giving them the faith they need, Lord, to respond to what you've already spoken to them. I pray that you'll save those that are crying out to Jesus. I know you promised that you would in the Bible. I ask, Lord, that you'd give strength and encouragement. Lord, I pray this episode today has been an encouragement to somebody. I pray it's lifted somebody up, just reminded somebody. There is hope for them. Change can be lasting change. God's able to bring that about in our lives, but we've got to make a choice. We've got to decide. I'm going to stop relying on me, and I'm going to start relying on him. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that you've given us, Lord, today in Jesus' name. Amen. I trust you'll be blessed this coming week. I want to encourage you to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. Again, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is MikeLifeAddictionRecovery at gmail.com. You can find that posted on the Buzzsprout host page for this podcast as far as my contact information. I'd love to hear from you. Got a suggestion about the podcast, something you'd like to see us do or feature in an upcoming episode, or if I can pray with you about something, please reach out to me. If you're in the state of North Carolina, you need some resources, man, we've got all kinds of wonderful faith-based ministries, residential programs uh, that you can get into, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, places you can go to get help, to break free from your addiction. We'd be glad to give you that direction, be glad to pray with you about anything going on in your life. I want you to stay focused, pray for one another on this road called recovery. Live your life with the aim, the goal. I'm going to bring honor and glory to God. Don't rely on yourself to hit that mark. Rely on the power of God to hit that mark. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless. Until next time, stay holy. Keep your focus. Keep looking up.